Welcome to the PT Mentor Academy podcast. This week we have Mr. Phil Lerney on. Um, we go through content creation, um, a real discussion about all things PT, um, capturing your market, etc., etc. So a really good episode to get your teeth into. Hope you enjoy. Real. All right, um, mate. We massively appreciate you coming on. We know how busy it is for you at the minute um, as well. Obviously, it's mad busy for everyone um, and changing and adapting things. So we really, really, really appreciate your time. Um, hugely honoured to have you have you on. One thing we've not done throughout these, um, we've done it on the odd one, should I say, is we've let the guys wait until the end for their questions. But I think today, yes, we've got a topic, but it'd be an absolute shame just to cover one topic whilst you're on here. So guys, feel free to ask your questions throughout. I'm sure there's a few things that will be triggered um, along the way that we have a discussion about. But before we do that, Phil, um, obviously we're, we're a commercial gym, so we have a hell of a lot of new PTs, brand new PTs, and it's them who've been affected probably the most in all of this. Um, just in case them guys don't know who you are, where you've come from and stuff like that, do you want to just give a, a bit of an intro, mate? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's always awkward giving yourself an intro. Uh, I was a PT, so so those, those guys who are new, uh, new to PT, and those guys who are old to PT. Uh, I was a, I was a, I was a coach. I was a personal trainer for twenty years. Uh, I started as a fitness instructor way back when. Uh, PT didn't exist when I started, and I I delivered the PT model to the company that I was at, and they they went for it. So I helped them develop the PT model across their entire chain of of gyms, which was a, a hotel chain, but they had a a membership base in each of the gyms, around about six, seven hundred members in each gym. Uh, so they 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 had residual income coming into the hotels through uh, gym membership. So I helped them set that up across across their board. Uh, ended up at one of their bigger facilities. Uh, then worked abroad a bit again as a personal trainer and and kind of flitted between. I've been in Leeds, been in London, worked back up north in in, in my hometown. Uh, which I always like to tell the story in my hometown with the with the personal training prices. It's cheaper that, now than it was when I started. Uh, I used to charge thirty pounds an hour, and that's nearly twenty years ago. And uh, they charge twenty eight now, which I, I think I just always find quite an amusing, you know, uh, statistic. Uh, so yeah, I was twenty years in the industry, and then I retired pretty much bang on my twentieth anniversary of being in the industry. Uh, should have probably retired from personal training. I say two, three years before that. Uh, in that time, I was developing my educational platform, which is the Advanced Coaching Academy, of course, and uh, was doing seminars, lectures, various little bits and pieces, doing lots of writing and bits and bobs. And, and yeah, and they, this brings me where I'm now. Uh, we have the academy. We have the assets side to the business that we do now, which is a, a huge side to the business as well now, and have various other things going on with, with various other businesses and uh, we've got a big business starting in January of next year which is super cool can't say anything about it unfortunately but keep an eye out for that that'll be launching in January next year which I'm super excited about and yeah so and here well, I am now. right mate so we've put um, quite a few polls and asked the PTs a hell of a lot over the past kind of few weeks and months regards to what content and what types of support they would want when we started to kind of hash out different types of topics, the one thing that kept coming back was, and I think this is mainly for new PTs who have 
started in a pure gym, been on the gym floor. I've been encouraged by us to get more confident in being proactive and approaching people on the gym floor, getting more confident within their marketing and so on. And then overnight, that's been removed from them. Um, and that type of PT right now, and there's probably thousands of them across the, uh, across the country, probably didn't really focus on, say, social media, social media engagement, and didn't know where to start, especially when they actually haven't got that ideal target market or avatar yet because they're not, they don't really understand who to go to yet because they're not just establishing it. Where do you want to start, mate, on, on the support levels for that type of PT and where they would start with marketing, social media, um, online right now in this kind of scenario? Right, so, what, uh, so just, just give me an oversight as to what's, what's happened with your PTs now so where are your pts at at this present moment so are they are they furloughed are they employed where, whereabouts are they so so i just get a full grasp of that before i yeah so all our pts are self-employed um right. we're about to transition to a new model so pure gym kind of stuck by them and in they wasn't in they were in the period of time not to be furloughed basically a big portion right. not to be furloughed because they fell after the the 28th of february kind of right. gap that in the criteria um, Pure Gym then kind of backed them and said, we'll, we'll pay you off the back of the, the furlough um, kind of agreement that's out there, but the Pure Gym are going to back that essentially and pay them for the 80%, which is unreal, by the way. But essentially, yeah. they're all self-employed and they've all left the gym to go and switch on an online business overnight. So that's currently where they're right. at. Cool. So, so present, because you're furloughed by Pure Gym, you're not doing any work for Pure Gym as it stands, but obviously when you come back, there, you know, you, you're all going to go back into normal. Uh, well, what probably won't be normal when we go back to it, but it'll be different uh, mm -hmm. in its own sort of sense. But but we need to acquire some new skills right now, right? So that's that's really where we're at. Yeah. Cool. So obviously, the the thing that I've always talked about, particularly with commercial gyms, is the fact that a PT has to grasp that they have a geographical catchment area. So so social media and spending lots and lots of time on social media, a, a PT that isn't busy. PT that doesn't have an established client base or doesn't have a full diary uh, probably wants to spend less time on social media and, and trying to grow that uh, extended audience before they've actually honed that refined and small audience that they need to to be busy as a coach. Uh, ultimately, if you, you've got a, a facility, if I've got a facility right outside my front door here, most of my clients are going to come within a, a five or ten mile radius of that facility. So therefore, you know, me going on social media and advertising to a million people is completely pointless because they can't, they can't partake in my services because they don't live close enough. So a lot of the, the, the initial sort of catchment of, of, of clients and things like that goes from social outreach. And for the most part, it's referrals. So if you're good at what you do, people talk, clients talk, people see you on the gym floor doing your job very well. They then approach you as a prospective client and talk to you and blah, blah, blah. And this is why, you know, previously when we, we've had these discussions and we, we've talked before and at the conference and blah, 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 we talked a lot about getting on the gym floor and actually just conversing with people is, yep. is introducing yourself, telling people who you are and blah, blah, blah. Now, that, that model doesn't really change that much in many respects. But now what you're doing is you're introducing yourself and you're introducing your services to a larger audience. So when it comes to social media, social media, is a, social media is a funny one because you've got to understand that you're not chasing popularity necessarily. What you're chasing is you're chasing, if it's a business perspective, some people are chasing popularity. I mean, that's what social media is for for a lot of people. It's a, it's a pat on the back. It's a, 
it's a nod, it's a whatever it might be, just, just for people to go, yeah, I'm popular, you know, but you've got to get out of that playground mentality where you think that the more people I have, the better. It isn't the more people you have, the better. It's the more, the more people you have that are uh, interacting with you, the better. You know, if you've got a million people on social media, but there's only a small handful interacting with you, it's, it's kind of pointless. They're just lingering in the background doing anything. It's a bit like the people, you know, some of the city centre gyms that you guys have. It's like saying that the people stood outside on the pavement are prospective clients. They're not really because they're not paying any attention. So, so social media is about grasping attention and getting people's attention. And then in amongst getting people's attention is, is telling them about you and what services you have to offer and what you can offer them. Uh, and also understanding what they want, because there's no point in you saying to, to, to an audience that, oh, we can offer you this, when in fact, they have no need for it. Uh, we do, one of our, our assets, we do a recipe books, right? As you guys know. And, and we've had a lot of people all of a sudden have unsubscribed from the recipe book because of the financial implications right now, which I totally get. But we've now got the, the population of the UK is now stuck at home. So people who before have never learned to cook or haven't had to cook, have to cook. They've got no choice. You know, they're not nipping down prep. They're not going to Nando's. They're not doing all those things. And if they are, they're probably doing it infrequently because, you know, you've got, uh, whereas before you could pop in and blah, blah, blah. Now you've got a £2.50 delivery charge from Deliveroo. So you've got to realize that most people now are trying to refine skills and do things they've never done before. In, and, and all we've got to do is coaches, we've got to understand that. What is that list of things that, that, that my clients that previously were maybe in a niche now have to do for themselves? So they have to cook for themselves and prepare food for themselves. So how as coaches can we help them with that? They also need to be able to train at home using minimal equipment or small pieces of equipment that they can acquire through Amazon maybe or, or, or wherever it might be. Some of them might have bands, some of them might have dumbbells, some people might have full-blown gyms at home. But the only way we're going to find that out as coaches is to beg that question of that individual. So if we go to our clients, our previous clients, the people we were dealing with before, one of the first questions we've got to ask them is, you know, if I was training either of you two guys, so, so Nick, if I was training you, I'm going to say, Nick, what have you got equipment-wise at home? What do you have? What have you got? Mm. Have you got anything? Hello? Me, bands, rowers, yeah. every mate I've got off of Jimmy. <laughs> He's nicked, nicked after right. CrossFit boxing. <laughs> right. So again, you know, now all of a sudden I've got, I've got a list of all this material and, and I've been doing a little series online about program design, right? So program design is no different. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of talk into this as, as well because this is something that may help your coaches when they go back to being in their commercial facilities, right? One of the first things I do in a gym when I go into a gym is I look around and I find out the equipment I've got. Now, as someone who's got a program exercise, I've got to think about all the mechanics and, and all the things I've learned in that, and anatomical and physiological things that people require. So if we just look at a basic program, a basic program is going to involve a squat pattern. It's going to involve hip hinge. We're going to have vertical push, vertical pull, horizontal push, horizontal pull. And we're going to have maybe some rotational work or some core work of some description. That core work will be specific to what the outcome is. It might be, you know, there might be some anti-rotation, pro-rotation stuff in there, whatever it might be. Now, if I was working in a commercial facility, I need to go around and I need to ascertain what equipment I've got available to me. Then from that, what I would do is I'd get an Excel sheet and I'd write a list of all the exercises I've got at my disposal. The, the, it is no different. So, so what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the equipment that you've got, Nick, and I'm thinking, right, 
what's he got and what can I do with that movement in order to elicit all those movement patterns that I did before. Now, there isn't a movement pattern in a gym that I can't replicate at home mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. I might have to move to isometrics. I might have to move to slightly different or adapting pieces of equipment or whatever it might be, but I can do all those movements at home. You know, the, the vertical push is always a bit of a challenge. The vertical pull is sometimes a bit of a challenge, but you've got a staircase there, Nick, that I know full well that you could drop onto your knees below it and you could attach a band to the top of that staircase, right? So, so we've got facilities to do those things. So as coaches, we've got to think outside the box, but we've got to think as coaches, we've got to think the way that we did before is it's no different. Programming for somebody at home is exactly the same. We've got to think about progressive overload. Now we might not have the load available to us that we did before. I, we don't have plates. We don't have, you know, selectorized machines. We don't have all those things, but that load may require us to do more reps might require us to improvise, might require us to, you know, I've got a, a, I've got a backpack sat here on the floor. I could load that backpack up with a load of weight and I could do a bunch of good mornings. I could do squats with it. I could do plyos with it if I'm suitably conditioned. You know, so as coaches, we've got to think about what we're trying to deliver. And then on social media, we've got to communicate that we can deliver that. And we've got to, we've got to be able to talk to that audience. So, so it's no different really to how we go about it in a gym. It just might be a slower process. So social media, really, what we've got to do is we've got to figure out who we're talking to, you know, what our intent is as a coach. Yeah, we're using social media as popularity because if it is, just show your ass. Loads of people follow you. But then, but then what are you going to get at the end of it? You know, if, you, if you're going to show your ass on social media all the time to get popular, popular unless you're selling leggings or underwear, you're not going to be able to sell anything at the end of it. Or there are other things that you could potentially sell, but you know, only fans probably isn't the way you want to go. <laughs> All right. Damn. But, but, but it's a feasible business model, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you look at it, we might laugh, but, but, but it is right. Mm. But it is. And, and, and it, yeah, it's, it's a feasible business model. If that's the way you want to go, but for most of the coaches, I'm assuming, most of the coaches <laughs> want to continue to coach people. Yeah. We said, uh, we, hey, we've been talking about adding additional revenue streams. You're giving them different ideas now. <laughs> so, so we've got to think about what people want, right? So we've got to think about what people want and how are we going to deliver that to, that to them in a different fashion. And really, when you think about it and you, you, you refine it all and you look at it all, it's actually way simpler than people think it is. Way simpler. You know, all we're doing here is we're pivoting. And one of the problems that businesses have, and a lot of businesses have, is they're fixed in this channel. And the problem that gyms like Pure Gym and the, Pure Gym can't pivot right now because they, they have a, this solid model which, it, which revolves around all these huge properties that they can't all of a sudden just close and, and pivot from. You can't. Whereas as coaches, self-employed coaches, you can change direction really rapidly. And, and you, can, you can move to different services. And ultimately, when you go back to the facility that you're at, you've still got those services. You've just got more of them. Yeah. You, know, you can offer a bigger and a better package for your, your clients. And what will happen with this, and, and, and this is how I used to work as a coach way back in the day, is that I had a lot of clients that used to travel a lot. So part of my service was offering them the, the, the assistance and the help they needed when they traveled. And part of that would be the same question that I asked you, Nick, just a minute ago, is that if they were traveling to a, a hotel, 
I would get on the phone to the hotel and the, and the amount of bizarre conversations I would have with hotel owners because they were like, you want what? I'd be like, I need a list of the equipment <laughs> you've got in your gym. He goes, uh, don't think we have that. I'm like, well, could somebody go down and take a picture of the gym and show me what's in it? And the amount of conversation I had with that, chefs, you know, the amount of chefs I had conversations with in hotels. Uh, not that long ago, I took on a project. This was actually after I'd retired from PT. I think I might have talked to you guys about it. It was for a movie. And they'd asked me to look after the, 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 these people in this film. And yeah, I remember this. One of, the, one of them was a vegan. And, and I ended up cooking the vegan food at home because the five-star chef they had at their five-star hotel that they were staying at in London, Michelin-style chef, didn't understand macros. So I said, you need X amount of this, X amount. He goes, I just make food that's tasty. He goes, I have no idea how much protein, beef, foreign, whatever it might be. So I said, I'll tell you what, forget about it. He said, could you send me the exact menu, i.e. all the instructions, blah, blah, blah. I said, it's pointless, this. So I went down to the supermarket, bought all the stuff for myself. I cooked it. I prepared it. I live out in Kent, so they were in central London. I got an Addison Lee, and I bought a cool bag. Obviously, the, 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 the production company got billed for all of this, and I got a cool bag, and I dispatched it all. All this food for them, because we, we were up against a really tight deadline. So when we think about services, we've got to think about what are the people that we're serving looking for. So what do people need now that they didn't need before? And this, this is this going to sound like a plug, right? But people need ideas for food at home, not just for themselves, but for their families. They need to understand how they're going to keep their diets and nutrition on point at home using tools that maybe they've never used before. So they need simple ideas. You know, uh, we had the other morning for breakfast, we had uh, some low fat, uh, and again, I'm not a big fan of low fat stuff, but in this case, it was a dairy based thing. So we had some low fat rice put in and we put a dollop of peanut butter on it and mixed some protein powder into it, right? It, and, and macro wise, that kind of ticked what we wanted to do. We were maybe lacking a little bit in, you know, phytonutrients, you know, fruit and blah, blah, blah. But, but ultimately that ticked the box and it was a tin of rice pudding and stuff I'd have in my cupboard. So you've got to think like that. You've got to think, right, what, what, what challenges have these people got? The other challenge they've got is that the, the people that used to exercise on their own now can't exercise on their own because they've got a house full of people. Mm. So they can't just go, oh, I'm going to go lock myself in that room for an hour. Because remember the dynamic that people, people's family lives have a completely different dynamic right now. There's people in each other's pockets that have never been in each other's pockets. And, and uh, you know, husband and wives that used to train separately, you know, one used to go to Pure Gym, one used to go to Virgin Active, you know, right around the corner from each other, but they used to do it because it was their time. Mm. Yeah. Now they've got to think about how we're going to do that together. So you might have a client that, that, you know, from Pure Gym or whatever it might be, you might have that client, you now have also got, a, got his wife and she wants trained as well. And, and you might as well do it all together. So you, you can produce this service that, uh, you know, is delivered online via a platform like this. Uh, you know, yeah. I'd, have, I'd have a whiteboard back here and I'd be talking them through the movements. I'd have all the links to all the movements at hand on YouTube if I needed to. I'd be doing a screen share here. So you'd have another square here that'd be showing the screen. Now, if you weren't sure about the technique, I can hit that and show you the technique or I can get up out of my chair and show you it myself. You know, I've got a, a good friend that did an interview with the other day, Simon, uh, who looks after Hollywood A-listers. And he's continuing to train. He actually lives in his gym now. 
He's living in the gym for the whole of quarantine so he can continue to train his clients. And, and he is literally set up. He has his laptop and they showed me the setup of the laptop. He, he had the laptop set up on, on a bunch of uh, plyo boxes. He's got his, his whiteboard behind him and he's just sat there just talking his clients through their programs. Mm-hmm. On a repeat. Just, mate, just unpacking all of this. So everything that you've just said then obviously rings a bell for me. And even when I met you for the first time and we talked, God, years and years ago at Body Power and we talked about adding additional things in, because you had a similar demographic to me, corporate male. I was city centre of Manchester. You were talking to me. You were city centre of London at that point, or Mayfair, I think you were. Um, and everything we talked about that day um, made me realise how I need to add layers into my service to bring around, I suppose, that whole solution-based package, but individualise that for every single client that I had in my business. Because at the time, I'd probably got successful from having a handful of results from people and more or less just selling time essentially, I'll hold my hands up at that. That was early on in my career, four or five years in. And I think there's two types of PTs that are going to struggle in this current kind of climate. And that's the new PTs that have had got any clients at all. And I've had to kind of pick this up. They're in the first year. They can only apply for universal credit. Didn't have many clients. It wasn't, didn't really have that a huge amount of business acumen because the training provider didn't give them. They've come to a couple of courses from us, but they don't really understand their avatar, demographic and that type of stuff yet. And then you've got the other PTs who, I've probably been working in a commercial business like a pure gym with five, 6,000 members for years and got busy just from a reactive point of view and just sold time, right? So they're the two PTs at the minute that we're seeing are probably struggling the most. Now, granted, a lot of these guys have then gone, right, overnight, we have to switch on this online business and add layers into my service. And actually, long-term, it's probably going to benefit me this. It's actually, long-term, it's going to benefit me. It's a pain in the ass now, but long-term, it's going to benefit me. And all the things you've just said, He's adding layers into that service. Just rewinding back to the guys of um, the new kind of PTs, how would you approach that now on their social media? Would you go out there and grab friends, family, give them an insight into what this online world looks like so they can then go off and market it? What steps would you kind of put in place for that type of new PT? Right, so, so take this back to, you know, for the PTs that are established, you've got to take this back to when you started. PTs yeah. are new, you've got to take it as it is, you know, because yeah. you're brand new to this, right? So any skill, which is, we deliver a skill. Personal training is a skill. And whatever way people talk about it, PT and being a good PT is a skill. It's something you need to practice. It needs to be something that you're well-versed at, and it needs to be something that you would understand people with. Now, the more people you handle and deal with, not physically handle, but handle and deal with, the better you become right so the more the, the more you think outside the box and the more you talk to people and the more you listen to people the better you're going to become as a coach now the same rules apply in many respects is right now what we've got to do is we've got to listen to what people want and for those of you who are new you haven't had the opportunity you haven't had an opportunity to talk to people that that, that, that want your services and to fully understand them and you probably haven't had a chance to refine your skills as they are now I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story shortly if, if I remember it as I'm going along uh, of when I first did my fitness instructor course because we did something there that was re- very relevant to what we do now. Okay. Now I would if you were new if I was a new PT and I had no idea about my demographic or the people that I'm serving or whatever it might be, I'm gonna pick up the phone to someone who is in my demographic, somebody I know, and I'm gonna ask them, what are the things that I can do that can help you right now? with respect to nutrition, with respect to coaching, with respect to training. What can I do for you? 
And these are the questions that we need asked. So, so ultimately, I would make a list. What what do people need right now? They need uh, convenience. You need they need uh, adapted exercises. They need all these different things. I need to list them down. Now, the best person to get that from is straight from the horse's mouth. You know, is to pick up the phone to you know somebody that that you know or that you're you're friends with or your 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 best friend's mum or dad, and call them and go look. I'm trying to adapt my services here and I want to know what people like you would want from this service. Now that's going to give you an insight into what they are. Then you need to sit with that list that you've created and you need to create solutions to problems, which is what PT is about. You need to create solutions to those problems all the way down to, uh, we shared a, a, you know, we do a partnership with a, a food delivery company uh, that we, we pass that on to PTs and PTs can get commission based off that. So, they will deliver to your house. They will send macro counted food to your house. Now that right now is a very, very good service, right? That you could potentially be making. You know, so, so if I said to you, uh, you know, if I said, Nick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you some food to your address that's all macro counted and is exactly what you want, and you don't need to worry about going out into this this desolate environment we've got out there putting yourself at risk because I'm going to get it delivered to your front door. Mm. And not only that, but it's going to hit all your macros. Now, off the back of that, the company that I've just, just partnered with or, or, or talked to or created an affiliate with well, whatever it might be, now all of a sudden they're going to send me my food for the next 12 months for free. Now, I might not have made money, but I've certainly saved a lot of money. Yeah. And you never know, they might actually put me on a commission where I get 20% or 10% of each sale. Mm. Now I'm servicing my clients, but I'm actually inadvertently making what we class as passive revenue is that I'm not doing anything. Somebody's just paying me for doing something and, and providing a service and provisioning a service that is, and there's so much opportunity right now for people to be doing that. Now, what skills did I need there? Yeah. What skills did I need? Mm -hmm. I'm not Education, yeah. I've not even used my skills. Mm. I've not used a single one of my personal training skills there. All I've done is I've contacted the company and I've said, look, I've got a bunch of clients that need your services. Can I refer them over to you? Boom, done. You know, we, we linked a lot of people in with, with a company the other week and I sent this out to nearly 7,000 personal trainers. Guess how many of them signed up to it? Knowing personal trainers, mate, as they do at certain things like this, I probably a lot. Yeah, I'm going to say 50. They've got an opportunity there to make passive revenue by providing a service to the clients. And I get that some people are like, yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to be sending food to my clients or organizing another company to send food to my clients. But why not? Phil, do you think one of the biggest problems here with, with stuff like this is because a lot of PTs don't have that level of service confidence. And I can relate to that being three, four years in. And probably I would have been like, yeah, but my clients aren't going to do that. I'm not even asked them. It's about what your clients need. Yeah, I know that. Service, you know, service confidence, I guess, is, is, is one way of putting it, but it's about what your clients need. You know, I pick up the phone to someone and I say, look, what do you need right now? Oh, I'm struggling with hitting my macros and, and I'm struggling with food acquisition. Now, when, when I talk about foods, I talk a lot about acquisition, right? So we've got to think about acquisition, which is how do people get hold of food? Now, if you're working in the city, 90% of people who work in the city buy their food on the hop as they go. 
So therefore, one of the services that we provide, we do the, the, the commercial food guides, right? So you can go to Pret and you can you know macro-wise what everything is. And you can have a plan before you walk through that door of Pret as to knowing what you're going to buy. Now, that's a great service a PT can offer. And I guarantee that any of the, the pure gyms that are in city centers and things like this, the vast majority of people will eat out three out of their four meals a day. Guaranteed. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, the, the, the singular mentality that we have as coaches is that what coaches have done for years is that they assume wrongly that yeah. everybody's going to go home and prepare their own food. They're not. They're not. Right? I, I hate to put this to you, and there'll be a few of them out there. The, the people that are in this room right now, and I'm just tallying up the numbers there, is that the people that are in this room right now, there will be a bunch of them going, yeah, but they're, they're clearly clients that don't want results enough. No, no, no. They're clients that have got families, they've got kids, and they've got full-time jobs. They haven't got time to be making food. <clears throat> it's not a priority to them because they don't need the shreds for Instagram. They're not bothered about getting their, their rig out on Instagram. They're not bothered about all the things that you as a coach is bothered about. They're bothered about, they want to be in decent shape. They want to be around when the kids get older. They want to be, you know, and, and this is understanding people rather than presuming that everybody wants what we as coaches once upon a time and, and i know you guys have evolved and changed since you when you started yeah but when i started i used to make everything i used to eat but i was quite good at cooking i grew up in a pub i, I, I could cook I, I had skills to cook so i used to make fairly interesting food that i used to take in tupperware every single day in my six-pack bag and blah 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 but i was right at that nth degree of you know the five percent of people that would do that and then I made that foolish assumption when I was a very young personal trainer that everybody else would do the same thing. And then I wondered why, and you, you, you pointed it out before that, that you had a very small handful of people got results and the people were the ones that would do that. <clears throat> right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think a lot of this mate is everything that you're saying here is it's all off level of assumption. My personality. And I think a lot of personal trainers personalities are, to try and be problem solvers. And there's that, that flick of a switch that if someone comes to you for PT, and this is normally the problem, that reactive kind of marketing, someone comes to you for PT and they've got a problem as weight loss, a lot of PTs are quick to go, right, I know the solution to that, flick that switch, and then just assume, assume, assume. And this is where that level of value disconnect is sometimes, why they charge so low. And, and there's so many different conversations we can have about this. Um, and I still think that goes on now, which is why I turned around and said a minute ago that, that them lacking in service confidence to do certain things like that meal prep service and so on. And I think this has highlighted it more than ever for me that these experienced PTs that I've seen run successful offline businesses, that soon as they've had to add layers into their service and do search certain things like virtual coaching, which is me and you now, me delivering a coaching session to you, they've instantly second-guessed themselves and gone, yeah, but I can't charge full price for that. And then we're like, yeah, but why? It's the same service you deliver. Yeah, and the, see, that's an interesting, really interesting question yeah. because this is something I've gone back and forward with people. And I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of charging for your time. Yeah. Right? As a coach, if you're established, you have an hourly rate. I've just got a call with a guy who I've just paid uh, an hour with and he's £250 plus back for an hour. So I know straight off the bat, that's what I'm paying if I want to spend an hour with him on the phone, right? So 
you have a defined amount of money that you are worth for your time. If somebody wants to get me on a consult or whatever it might be, you know, I have a defined amount that I'm, I'm prepared or I've got to look at what is the value of that to either myself, my business or the people that I'm, I'm talking to. If you guys came to me and you, you had a, you had a gym up in the nether regions of Scotland and you had 10 coaches and you asked me to come on a, pod, a podcast or a, or a zoom or whatever it might be, you're going to get an invoice from me. You know, and it it, 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 it it all depends on what value I'm going to get out of it. Now, as a coach, you've got to think in the same kind of manner. Yeah, you might not be delivering this service as good, but we've got to think of this as value adds, right? So you need a certain amount of money right now to survive. You two guys do as well, right? Everybody does. So how much is that do I need to earn per day in order to keep things in order? And, you know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago and we, we put up a financial tool to help people just ascertain what their income and outgoings are, which you should have an idea of what it is. So you need a certain amount of money right now to survive. So how are you going to get that money on board? And how many people do you need and how much are you going to charge? Now, as a coach, if you're going to charge half as much as you did face-to-face, -face, you need twice as many clients, right? In order to take that same box. Your outgoings might be different because you're not partying every weekend and you're not spending quite as much money on various bits and pieces. Or it might be more because you're having to pay for people to deliver things. Mm -hmm. So we've got to wear that up. We've got to understand, am I spending more or less money than I was before? Because some people, it'll be more, the people, it'll be less. So now once I've got a grasp of that, I can then decide what kind of level of service I'm delivering. Now, if I'm delivering a, a low-ticket item, I should be able to produce multiples of it very, very easy. If I'm producing a high ticket item, I'm not going to be able to replicate that that many times, but it covers my hourly rate. So the level of service that I used to charge for wasn't always used or utilized, but because of the demographic that I used to serve, you know, they would pay that because they knew when that scenario occurred. So they went traveling. I had all the bases covered, right? So we've got to understand what the services that we're offering. Now, the vast majority of coaches, so going back to your point, the vast majority of coaches now are going to be delivering an online service that they know is new, their clients know is new, that isn't probably going to be as refined as their one-on-one -on -one service was. So therefore, have they actually got grounds to charge the same amount? You could argue, no, they haven't. But as long as you're transparent about that, so I would be contacting the clients going, look, the deal is I've never done this before. Now, if I'm an established coach, I would genuinely, I would get onto my clients and I'd say, look, the deal is I'm not familiar with this. I'm not used to it delivering a service like this. So therefore, I don't feel personally like I can and should be charging you what I charge you one-on-one. -on -one. So this is what's going to happen. So I'm going to then explain to them how it's going to, uh, going to roll. I'm going to charge this because we're still delivering this, 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 this. I'm going to add and put these layers, as you, you put it, these layers of service on top of this that I'm going to service that you didn't need before that you now need. Mm -hmm. I'm going to add all those in. Now, because you're a valued client and have had, you know, dealing with it, I'm going to offer you this at this rate for this time because I understand that, you know, and I'd probably get on a Zoom for them because it's face-to-face, yeah. -face, right? Yeah. I'm going to say to you, look, guys, I'm... My service isn't going to be as good as it was before because I'm not familiar with online coaching. That's the truth of it. <clears throat> now, what I charged before, obviously, is my going rate. But because you guys have been you know, committed to me, and you've, you, you, but what I'm now going to do, I'm going to train you and potentially your family. Okay, So I'm going to put together a training program for you and your family, not just you. I need to know what equipment you've got 
which I need either you to list or you to tell me over the phone right now. I also need to know what things you're struggling with nutritionally. So do you need some recipes from me? Do you need some uh, you know, guidance as to where do you get your food from? And if I can assist with that, I will. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to put these layers of service out to them and they're going to respond and tell me what they want. And ultimately off the back of that, I've then got grounds to go back to them and say, right, so given everything that you, you want me to do and what I can help you with, this is what we're going to look at rates going forward. Okay, how do you feel about that? You know, does that sound okay? These are the layers of service I'm going to put on top of it. And, you know, I've got to have a clear idea of what they are. Or alternatively, I'm going to, I'm going to help them out as long as they help me out. So if I've got somebody with a bunch of package sessions with me, so they've already paid up front. Now, either they're going to come knocking after the two weeks, and obviously we're, a bit, we're quite a long way on here. Mm. If I don't contact my clients in two or three weeks, they are undoubtedly going to contact me and say, look, Phil, I want my money back. Right. So we're maybe having this conversation a bit late for some people. But if they're going to say, I want my money back, I'm going to say, look, the way we've got to work this is that obviously I'm still going to deliver this service to you if you still want me to, but we're going to do it remotely. And this is how we're going to do it. Bam, 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 bam. This is how it's going to occur, right? And because the service isn't as good as it was, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do additional sessions for the block that you've got left. You've got eight sessions left and you'll pay an X amount for them. So now we're going to do 12 sessions for that price. How does that sound to you? Cool. Done. Right? Or I'm going to give you a rebate, which means that if you buy blocks of sessions from me now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to deduct some of that money off your one-on-one -on -one rate when we get back in September. Now, the reason for me doing that is that I'm now curtailing and, and, and managing cash flow. Because what I don't want now as a coach is for somebody to not pay me now for the next six months. Because if they do, my business is shot anyways. Mm -hmm. What I prefer to do is go, I'm going to be paid, continue to be paid for the next six months. And then for the six months after that, and this is where we've got to suck it up a little bit, I'm going to accept that I'm not going to make as much money as I was before. But at that point, we're going to be in a global recession. Mm. But that money doesn't really matter as much as it did before because everything is going to go down in price. Mm -hmm. Right now, if I want to buy a sports car, they're cheaper than ever. Mm. Right now, if I want to buy a house, they're cheaper than ever. Right now, and we're only a few weeks in, yeah. we will be in a global recession at the end of this. So as a coach, I've got to look after my clients and make sure at the end of this, when I go back to the, the gym, wherever I'm working at, all of my clients come back with me yeah. and they do. I've still got a business and I might not be able to charge as much or I might not be charging as much because I've rebated them. But at the end of that, I've, I've got an established client base and I've still got money coming in. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense, mate. And do you know what? It's funny. We were talking about this myself and Nick and it come up on one of the live Q and A's that the only time that we can really relate to anything like this happening is when the last recession hit and we were both self-employed PTs and how, how that hit us. Um, so that's the only thing we've been going off in regards to relating to the PTs and the current situation and so on. So it's interesting that you kind of brought that up. Just with a look now of going forward, PTs have now switched this online world on overnight. Some of them have been successful with it, retained clients. Some of them had to build a business from scratch. Um, obviously, we're going to get to go back into gyms. Um, we don't know when. But how would you, um, what advice and how, what things would you recommend for the PTs to be really proactive now to set them up going into the gym in say three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks time. We don't know how long, but what advice would you give them? Because a lot of what we've given them up to now is 
obviously the same stuff you've just said, content creation and understanding your market, going solving their problem, all of that type of stuff. But any more advice to set them up to go back into the gym environment? You've got opportunity now to refine your services, do all the stuff that you didn't have time to do before. Because the vast majority of coaches that you will have have probably either, you know, we, we could map a timeline out for multiples of them. Is, you know, you've finished school, you've, you've gone to college, you've done your PT qualification, you've now working in a gym. And in between all of that, there's been no gap. You know, some people might have had a gap or whatever it might be. Most people who did have a gap either went traveling or they bummed around and did nothing. Now what you've got is you've got a gap in which you can be proactive. So you can go back into this gym environment, infinitely a better coach and more prepared. Like I said about the, you know, the, the preparation of, of program design that I used to do, you know, I would go back into, I would, at any gym I was at, I had a list of every single exercise I could do in that gym. So when it came to programming people, I was super efficient on programming. I, I could write someone a program really quickly using some spreadsheets and blah, 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 that I already had prepared. It was all set up. I knew what secondary movements, auxiliary movements, blah, blah, blah. I knew all of that because I had it all on a spreadsheet. I had it all in front of me. I thought, right, I need to pick a X amount of movement for such and such. And then because it's a gym-based program, I'd have an option next to it in case that kit was being used. If the kit was being used, I'd move straight on to the second option. So I'd have that all mapped out. So as coaches, you've got opportunity here to refine your services and, and those layers of your service one-on-one -on -one as well. Is understanding what people need and what people want, mm. you know, and we've got to just understand those two different scenarios. The scenario right now is we've got people stuck at home, we've got people who are having to cook for themselves, we've got people who require people to either deliver food for them because they're not going out for food. What will happen when you go back to gyms? Is people don't want to stay in for food. So what's going to happen there is that everybody's going to want to stay out for food, right? So what's going to, you know, it's going to blow up. Everybody's going to want to eat breakfast from places they, they have access to. They want to eat lunch from. So if I was a coach at one of your facilities, I'd be doing a geographical audit, which I talked about to you guys before, is that I'd be looking at where my gym is and look at all the restaurants and everything and bars and everything that is around it. And I want to find out all the details about all of those. So when my clients go back and they start going in all those places, they've got a plan. They've got a plan in place. So I know where they're going to eat at, what they're going to eat at those places, how they're going to eat. You know, so what you've got now is you've got an opportunity to really refine your services as a one-on-one -on -one PT, as an online coach, as a as a coach in general, and you've got an a bit you've got a, an opportunity to refine your skills. And this is the story that I was going to tell you earlier that when I did my YMCA fitness instructor qualification, I have actually got a file down smiling because I've done the same one, the level two, with yeah. my certificate in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, if it's at hand, I will whip it out. Yep, hold on. You've got to see this. This is the, this is the <laughs> There we go. That was my fitness trainer award, year 2000. Oh, bloody hell. That's an old piece of paper. And uh, that's my yoga qualification. Have some of that. Uh, <laughs> disturbing, that hand. I found that the other day in the loft. Uh, <laughs> even got my degree in that, <laughs> like a degree certificate in a little rip. I think I'm, I think I'm more impressed with the yoga certificate over the degree, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> There's a full-blown Pilates one in there as well. Uh, not bad. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, I've completely lost my. <laughs> yes. So, whilst doing that course, I, I I got taught something really, really 
pretty incredible, to be honest. The tutor, I can't remember who the tutor was, but the tutor was, was, was really good, really proactive. And, and it was back in the day where when you did a fitness instructor qualification, you spent a lot of time in the gym. We actually did the qualification in a gym. Yeah. You, you know, the closed part of the gym and you were in there the whole time. It wasn't this whole, you know, we did, uh, you know, 99% of it in a classroom and then you step foot in a gym at the end of it and go, oh, that's a squat rack over there. And that was it. It was literally, we were in the gym the whole time. And what he did is the guy made us, he made us coach something without, we weren't allowed to move our arms. So yeah, we put our hands down and we were told to coach something. So basically we had to verbally cue it with no, we weren't allowed to move. We had to verbally cue the entire thing. And they gave us, you know, fairly large compound movements like bench press or squat or whatever it might be. You had to talk someone through it. And we did it again and again and again and again and again until basically you refined delivering that without any physical cues whatsoever, mm. right? Then he made us do it without speaking. So you had to take that person. You weren't allowed to touch them. You had to take that person and you had to coach them without saying a word, mm. right? And it was one of the, the coolest and, 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 you know, at the time it was quite infuriating, but it was, it was, it made me really think about how as coaches we need to be able to deliver things. And what you've got now is all you've got is you've had one of those uh, uh, techniques removed from you, which is the face-to-face. And ultimately mm. online coaching, the only difference between online coaching and face-to-face coaching really is skill acquisition. Mm. because it's very difficult for us to see very complex skills in an online capacity. Now, with video in front of us, it actually isn't. I could actually teach both of you probably how to do a very complex Olympic lift if I needed to on video, if yeah. I needed to. But I'd have to have a decent camera set up and you know my, my sound set up would have to be pretty good. But for the most part, most other movements are going to be fairly uh, low skill. Mm. I, I know all those movements that we talked about before. I can do a squat pattern, very low skill squat pattern, very low skill squat pattern to get somebody to sit down on the seat, position their feet so their knees and their toes are aligned, and then they're just going to stand up and they're going to sit back down again. There we go. We've got a squat pattern. We've got a hip hinge. What about a hip hinge? How can we coach that? You know, and, and all of those things we can do without any equipment. I can stick a backpack on my back now and do good mornings. And trust me, that would hammer the crap out of somebody. You stick a couple of... I stick a couple of these books off my shelf in my backpack and start doing good mornings with them. I'm going to know about it, you know? So it's just thinking outside the box, but also refining your other skills and your techniques, you know? Take a, take a sensation away. Don't talk. Don't, you know? But now what we've done, and we've had them inadvertently taken away from us, is that I can't, I might not be able to motivate a client the same way, but, but why not? You know, I'm not touching the client in a normal gym scenario anyways. All they're doing is they're looking at me, which is what they're doing now. The dynamic of maybe moving a screen around or a device around maybe isn't quite how it used to be. But again, there's loads of devices online. I have this thing here. If I put a camera to it, it follows me around the room. Yeah. You know, relatively cheap. You can get, you know, if you've got clients who are really into this, you get them to get one of them, then it follows them around the room and you can follow them as well. There's all sorts of stuff technological wise that we could do to refine our services. Yeah, it may, it's an unreal opportunity for people to grow. And I think even you just talked heavily on this point before as well, you talked about have building knowledge around movement vocabulary and stuff like that and having kind of an understanding of different exercise selection versus movement. So that when they are back in the gym, 
and the gym is rammed and their next excuse is it's too busy to train clients at peak you're already armed with some variations of every single movement pattern yeah and, and you don't need equipment yeah. in any gym in any gym i would always have something in my back pocket that required us to move to the matted area and not have a piece of equipment hmm. i could do that i could yeah. i'd be confident to train a professional athlete right now with no equipment whatsoever i have enough tools in my toolbox to be able to do that confidently yeah. and all that and is you know that's just a understanding of exercises that's all it is it's the memory it's, it's it's knowing that for years and years and years i've learned all these exercises now now you know i have a spreadsheet with uh 1868 exercises on it mm. right for neck shoulders back chest you know forearms everything and it has i've got listed on that sheet I've got listed every single primary, secondary mover, auxiliary movers. I've got all of that on there, which means that when I do an exercise, I have a full grasp of what the anatomical usage is. Yeah. So it's very easy for me to program. And, and the thing is, the more I do it, the more I see those things in front of me, the more I learn, the more I remember it. Mm -hmm. So now those things I can do just out of memory. I'll be confident I could write a program on a whiteboard right now that would be pretty much anatomically perfect. But that's just practice. It's like what I was talking about before. It's a skill. Yeah. You've got to practice and practice and practice until you get good at it. Mm. You know, you don't just develop that overnight. But for now, a lot of the stuff that coaches and your coaches and you coaches you've got are going to rely on is documents. Yeah. They're going to need documents in front of them to remind them of the things that they can't quite remember. And then as they program and program and program and program, they're going to remember all that stuff. Yeah, 100%. You know, consultation forms. I don't need consultation forms now. I write down the answers to the questions I want to ask. Yeah. Back in the day, I needed a consultation form because it, so I didn't forget to ask those relevant questions. Mm -hmm. So you've got an opportunity to learn huge skills here. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to um, open this up. So, guys, there's quite a few of you still on here, which is fantastic. Um, you've got the next five minutes or so. I think we've more or less gone over anyway what we said we were going to do. But five minutes or so that you guys can fire as many questions at Phil as possible. You're not going to get this opportunity um, as much as you think to be fair. So please use it and abuse it as you can. Nick, have you got anything you want to kind of ask Phil in the meantime, whilst we're waiting for a few? Um, I had a, I had a couple mate, very specific ones that we've come across and just like your kind of take on it. Really. Um, quite a few of the guys, obviously they, I think a lot of the trainers have, had social media set up, done drips and drabs, you know, in the past. But now, obviously, this is their only way of communicating with an audience to either generate more, generate more business. Well, let's just take it on that aspect to generate more business. And I think one of the things that they are constantly asking is like, how often is too much? Um, you know, am I going to bother them? Are you going to spam them? Um, and yeah, I'd just like, I'd like your kind of take on that a little bit. Right. This, uh, a lot of people who are asking that question, Nick, mm. how often is too, is too much, are asking that question because they're not doing anything, mm. right? So they're not posting at all. Mm. But they want a reason not to post at all because they're still trying to refine that. What's the exact frequency that I should be posting? And the vast majority of people that have ever asked me, and this is genuinely just off my experience with coaches, the amount of people that ask that question who are not posting any content at all mm. are the people that are trying to overanalyze the situation, right? 
first thing is, and again, we repeat this and I go over this an awful lot, is that the action of doing is the first thing you should be, you know, concentrating on. So mm -hmm. you need to be posting frequently. If you get to a point where you're posting too frequently, either your content's out or, or you, uh, well, to be fair, that's probably the only reason is your content. Mm -hmm. But if your content's not interesting and it's not relevant, or it's just a blatant sales pitch, it's too often mm. because it's crap. Yeah. Everything that you deliver has got to give value. And, and we always talk about uh, in marketing, I've got a book on it called the 8020, I think it's called something like, well, 8020 is something they talk about a lot in marketing, right? And 80% is the amount of value that you give for nothing. And the 20% is you telling people what you do as a service and that you're asking them for money. Fundamentally, mm. right? You're asking them to buy your service. So I'd always work on a similar kind of ratio. For every eight posts that you put out, you're allowed to put two posts up about your service or your business. Mm -hmm. So it's just a nice framework to start with. Yeah, it's good. Those eight, pieces, those eight pieces of value have got to be relevant to your audience. And what a lot of coaches spend their time doing on social media is talking to coaches. Now, it's different. You know, I talk to coaches. That's my job. So if you go out and copy all my content, you're going to be talking to the wrong people. Yep. You want to talk to clients. So, so we, we, a lot of our content could be reworded and re-manipulated. So it, it, we're actually just talking to clients. Mm. I'm saying, how can I help you? Even that question, that's a relevant piece of content. You know, how can I help you? You know, is there anything? And then I'm going to need to interact with everybody that answers that. But I've got to have an active audience for that to be relevant, right? There's no point in asking the question if you've only got 10 people on your social media. Mm, exactly. So, yeah. so there's opportunity early doors on social media to actually be inboxing people. Mm. If I've got a hundred people following me on social media, I'm going to get in touch with every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah. This flows nicely with the next question, actually, mate. Um, this is from Dale. Uh, Hi, Phil. A lot of PTs are building Facebook groups, offering free workouts, which is very saturated now. How would you, if you would, try to monetize that Facebook group or would you leave it as a value add and look to convert to one-to-one -one using that value built over time? How would you differentiate off the back of that to add more value? You see, this is, this is the thing right now. And, and, and again, you know, we're assuming that it's saturated here, right? Yeah. We're making that assumption. There's no, there's no statistic that's came out that says this is saturated. It's just as, as industry people, it's a bit like me looking at my social media feed and thinking something's saturated when actually it isn't. It's just the people I all follow talk about the same things. Yeah, brilliant. So I have this perception that it's saturated, but it actually isn't. Yeah. You know, everyone's talking about this. No, only people talking about it is people in your industry. Yeah. So we're assuming, so if I look on my feed right now, everybody appears to be doing this. If I go onto a client's feed, as far as they're concerned, no one's doing it. Yeah. So first thing we mustn't do is make the assumption that it's saturated because it isn't. Second thing we need to do is we need to make sure that whatever we're adding into that group or that value or whatever it might be has something at the end of it that, that relates either to our services or something where people can go at the end of it. You know, because ultimately it's all going to go, you know, it's nice to give something out right now and to help people and all these different things. But at the end of all that helping people, what ultimately are you hoping to achieve out of it? Mm. You know, is it just out of the goodness of your heart that you're doing this? Or is it because you want to pivot your business a little bit? Now, the vast majority of the time, there's nothing wrong with this, mm. is that pretty much everything I ever post on social media has a reason, uh, a business-related reason as to why it's there. You know, it's not me wheeling and dealing all the time. It's just the fact that everything has to have a business reason because it's a business profile and that's what I post on social media for, for the most part. 
but a large part of my business is helping people. So therefore I get to help people. And a lot of people I helped for free for probably for the last two decades that have never once bought a single thing off me. And that's cool because I'll continue to help them. Mm. But they might, they, they might just not be relevant to what I sell or what I do, or they might not be in my geographical area, which means they can't train with me at a gym. Now the Facebook group stuff is great. But the problem is, again, is that is that audience going to be one that's relevant to your one-on-one coaching at the end of this? If it isn't, what you're delivering has to have some kind of relation to an online model that you're developing or you're going to move to going forward. Otherwise, all you're doing there is you're just giving loads of free stuff mm-hmm. uh, away for, for nothing, which is cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. I spent 10 years on social media, never advertised PT, never tried to sell anything, never tried to do anything along those lines. I just literally gave stuff away for nothing yeah in doing that i helped refine my own education because mm-hmm. i would write articles about this that good and give them away for free because i wanted to know what the audience thought of them and some people would say well that's great but that doesn't make any sense and i'd be like right i need to rewrite that and make sense of that yeah that helped me refine my skills and refine my services so if you're using the facebook group to refine your skills and your services that's cool use it for that tool get better at it when you get good enough at it you need to have an off spin of that service that's slightly better and has a better, higher service quality that people are going to pay for, which is how it works in most businesses. Yeah. You know, you give you all your free stuff away and people go, that free stuff's really good. Imagine what the paid stuff's going to be like. Exactly. But there's no point in giving delivering everything when you're left at the end of it with, you can't improve on that service because it's as good as it's going to get. Yeah. You know, Joe Wicks, for example, you know, he's going to sell a ton of books off the back of him. Being <laughs> He's going to sell a ton of books. Was that his whole intent? Probably not, because that isn't how he works. But inadvertently, he's going to sell a ton of his books. A lot of this material I put out, people will join the academy because they like the free content I put out. Some of you on here might join the academy because you liked what I talked about and liked how I talked about it, because it made sense to you. You know, you might just join me on social media and actually just follow some of my stuff. But 10 years down the line, you might buy a product off me or something that we do for the PT industry. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It's an opportunity, but it's, uh, it isn't saturated, I promise you that. And if it is saturated, we know that 90%, and again, I'm speculating a number here, I would imagine 90% of it is crap. Yeah. yeah. Which means if you're going to deliver it, deliver it well. If you're not going to deliver it well, it's kind of one of those arguments of, if you're not going to deliver it well, don't bother. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's that, if, you, if you're looking for differentiation, right, you just talked about Joe Wicks, and Chris Burgess talked about this last week, regards to... That's one way of communication. If anything right now, people need that two way of communication. So if, if as us as coaches offer that, as well as the free workouts, the free content in the group and the opportunity to touch base direct, that's huge right now more than ever, isn't it? So Massive, massive. Because people, people are stuck at home, they're bored, they're, they're lonely. Yeah. People, people want that two way communication with people. And if you're all throwing that opportunity out there, now what Facebook does, it gives you a kind of almost one on one, but not. It gives you a community building platform. Then at the end of that community building platform, what you've essentially got is then the refined audience of that is a one-on-one platform. It's a bit like how a lot of coaching models work is that, you know, I would start with big groups. And then off that big group, I'd find an offset that are willing to, yeah. you know, have a more refined service. I'd pull them into an offset and I'd pull them into a more refined until eventually I'm down to somebody who just wants one-on-one coaching. Mm. You know, so having that clearly defined objective from the start, isn't it? Yeah. And that's where there's a little bit of lack of clarity at the minute because you'll have it. got the confidence yeah, to do that. Your class instructors are PTs as well, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Class instruction. What's class instruction? It's an introduction to you, your personality, yeah. and your way of working. 
I used to pick up so many, you know, and I, I speculated yesterday about doing a spin class on social media. I used to pick up so many PT clients from doing classes. And it definitely wasn't my forte. It was just the fact that they loved the way I was in classes. I was like buzzed. I was like, yeah, come on, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't the greatest. But, but at the end of it, they were like, hmm, I think he would really motivate me. Yeah. And I, I cool. it's just off the motivation side of things. So, so yeah, it, it isn't saturated. I promise you that. And if it is saturated, it's crap. It's like when people say the PT industry is saturated. It isn't. The PT is full of really bad PTs. <laughs> the PT industry is full of really bad PTs, which means if you're good, you're going to stand out of a mile. You really are. Yeah. Okay, a couple of last questions. Matty, uh, what systems do you believe that every coach should have in place? Broad question, but which systems do you believe that every coach should have in place? Systems. Uh, business is about efficiency, right? I talked to somebody yesterday about this, about efficiency, about, about the fact that you are trying to shortcut everything, right? I spend most of my days now trying to problem solve and make things more efficient. My biggest challenge from a business perspective is we can't, we can't cope with the demand that we have. And, and if we take on too much, our service gets watered down. I've talked about this in a PT perspective to you guys. Yeah. Is that if I take on too many clients, my service becomes poor because I can't deliver the service level that I did before that, that dictated what I charged as a, as a business. You know, if I was doing 60 clients, or, you know, 60 sessions a, 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 a a month or a week or whatever it might be it's way too much right which means that my service has to be pretty average i, I refine that to 30 i can i can deliver twice the service offering in in in, in the same sort of time so people uh, just run the question again by me again how is it what systems do you believe every coach right. should have in place so, so the systems need to be ones of efficiency so i talked to you about one before about programming right is that I had a system in place and I refined that system to make programming an efficient process for me. Because one of my biggest challenges as a one-on-one coach delivering a service is time. Mm. Is that I'm not, they're not paying me just for my hour in the gym, they're paying for me the, the prep of the sessions, the design of the programs, the nutritional support, all that stuff. So really I was, I would, what I charged per hour wasn't what I was charging per hour. What I was charging was per service. Mm. You know, so my hour was part of what that whole price was, you know, and why I used to charge what I charged ultimately came down to, I think, you know, my average hourly rate was about a hundred and something quid, but I was charging 220 plus VAT per hour, you know, at the, at, the, at the height of my game. So what we've got to do is we've got to refine all the services, make them efficient, yet still high quality. Yeah. So have a database of as many things as you possibly can nutrition resources blah 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 you should have booklets and folders full of information and all of that stuff in front of you as a coach and the more of that you've got the more efficient you can be as a business you need you need everything to be as seamless as possible we do uh, i do flow charts all the time i have two massive pads of a3 paper here that literally i just brainstorm onto I've got two big whiteboards up here that, that are, are always out of frame because there's always some secret stuff on there <laughs> I'm laughing here because he, he, he texts the piss out of me for my flow charts because that's all I do <laughs> this is, you this just is, get excited about it with your presentation this is, <laughs> this, is, this is part of my post-it note collection and my organizers <laughs> the top of things my post-it notes are obviously here so if I want to brainstorm stuff I write loads of post-it notes and stick them all over my desk or I might get on the floor and stick them all on the floor because it allows me to get things into order so for us it's the system of what happens when, you know, online coaching model, right? What we're going to think about. 
I, I would start the process from, you know, let's, let's say we're going to map it out on here, right? So I'm going to map it out. So my post-it note at the top goes up here, person signs it. I also need the flow chart as to what happened before that to get that person there, which essentially is the sales funnel, right? Mm -hmm. So a person signs up. Then what is their experience like after that point? So what do they first get from me? Do they get a welcome email? Do they get a video with me? What happens? I need to refine all of that until eventually we've got this whole service model spanned out over, over this thing as to what happens here. So if they choose for this, they get this. If they don't say no to this, and it's just this flow chart. So, so that is the sort of thing that you need to refine right now and you need to think about what happens when somebody buys a PT session off me. What is the service offering that I give them? What are the different things that they get as part of that? So for us, it's, it's, you know, when somebody signs up, what happens? They get an email. What happens to that email? It might get passed, which means all the data gets pulled from it. All that data gets pulled into a Google Sheet and all that Google Sheet, that then talks to a, 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 a CRM system or it talks to Zapier. And Zapier refines all that information and pulls it back into another program. So Zapier basically connects uh, programs. Mm -hmm. We use that an awful lot. You guys might be familiar with it. Yeah. So, so what we do is we get all this data gets pulled into one place. And all that does that makes our system so much more efficient. So when somebody sends an email to us, every single, a basic, really basic one, any email that comes into my inbox is passed. So everything that comes into my Gmail ends up in a folder. And there are no exceptions. Mm -hmm. So I set up a bunch of rules in my Gmail that if I get an email about a certain subject, it goes into a certain folder. So I know what that subject folder is about. Mm -hmm. If somebody buys a specific thing, it goes into a specific folder because they purchased that. And then that sends a, a chain reaction of communication channels. So if you get an inquiry from somebody, it might go to a specific email. So I would always have an inquiry email. So inquiries at my email address yep. and that would always go to a specific folder and follow a specific flow of things so what's the first thing that happened immediately that person gets emailed back and we organize an appointment so they might get a calendly link and that calendly link means they can book in with me on their own time an appointment with me which will then automate with zoom which will send them a zoom link the Zoom link goes to them, they click on the Zoom link. It has an instruction as to how they sign up for the Zoom link. They get on the Zoom link. I, I have an appointment with it at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. I'm going to talk to them on here. I then talk to the client. What is the outcome of that conversation and that consultation? At the end of that, I've got all that on paper or I've got it in an Excel sheet. So I might be typing that on my, my, my computer here as I'm talking to them. Now I've got all that information. All that information gets passed into something else which tells me what the service model is. You know, so it's systems. It's those kind of systems and those kind of things that you've just got to almost spitball and yeah. in order to get that outcome that you want. Yeah, Matty, as well, if you need any more information on that stuff to see in action, Nick's done quite a lot of how-to videos on Zapier, on what else have you done? Bloody MailChimp, you've done Google Docs, you've done everything. So there's loads on the Facebook group for you to go and have a look at, mate. So he walks you through how to go about that and then, on one of our live Q&As last week, we talked you through that journey of how it all aligns as well. So perfect uh, on to that. Mate, I think there's only one more question in here, and I think this is where we'll it up because you've kind of covered what this question is anyway, but in the quickest way possible, have you got any starting tips for people who just started out? Um, oh, Nick's just deleted the question. Um, he started out as a PT in a gym, have no clients, have no experience. There we go. Right, so obviously we're going to... Uh, out of quarantine uh, and, and I'll always go back at pretty much the same answer which I've answered a million times before about this is that and, and this is how I got busy 
and remember, you know, part of me, when I started as a PT, I didn't have the skills. I, I, I was in exactly the same place all you guys were, is that I just passed my level three. There was nothing there. You know, I was doing a degree at the time, so none of that kind of education had, had, had solidified. And to be fair, most of the stuff I learned in sport and exercise science degree is not relevant to the general public anyways. So most of it was, so I learned the same way that you guys are. And I learned by putting myself out there. I used to write a lot. If I didn't understand something, I used to write about it because it would help me understand it. It was just the way I learned and I learned through school and things like this, that the best way for me to learn stuff and revise was to write it. So I'd write it, I'd record it in a thing, listen to it. And there was different ways I used to learn it. Never, it didn't work for me just to read. So you'd refine all those different things. So as a coach, you've got to, first thing, nobody's going to employ you if they don't know you. They're just not, right? If they know nothing about you, they've never met you, they've never said hello to you, they are not going to spend hundreds of pounds a week with you. They're just not. So the first thing you've got to do is to get known. So I would, in any facility, it's a bit like, it's a bit like uh, you know, let's say you move and, and you, you know, you've got a local pub. What's the first thing you want to do? You want to get known in that local pub. So you go and you introduce yourself, you say hello to some people, blah, 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 until eventually you become a local, right? You've got to kind of have the same mentality. You've got to go into that gym and everybody in that gym has got to know you. You know, and I've talked about this a million times before. And one of the first things I did at one of the first London gyms, and when I went to this London gym and I got this job at this London gym, I actually came out of an office job. Now, the office job was we were setting up gyms in this office. There was going to be four gyms opening around central London, big offerings. I was in charge of the PTs. I was in charge of the medical. I was in charge of all that stuff. And, and basically I was pulling that team together as part of this office job. And I then got a job at a gym, very well-known gym in London. And I'm walking in there, having had two years out of that industry, almost uh, two years of not really doing much PT. I was still doing a little bit here and there, but not, not consistently doing PT. So I was a bit... Uh, nobody had a clue where I came from. Nobody knew what my services were. Nobody knew anything about that. So basically, I went into that gym like a bull in a china shop. And I stood behind reception and I watched people check in. And when they checked in, their names used to come up on the screen. I've told this story a million times over. Yeah. The names used to come up on the screen. I used to memorize three or four names. And then I used to go on the gym floor and I used to go and introduce myself. And he said, hey, John. He'd always be taken aback, whoever it was. They'd always be taken aback about how you knew name. And I'd just be honest with them. I'd say, look, I caught your name just as you were checking in. I just want to introduce myself. My name is Phil. I'm one of the new coaches around here. If I can help you with anything, please give me a holler. Uh, you know, nutrition, coaching, whatever it might be. Uh, just feel free to give me a shout, whatever it might be, right? No hard sell, no big pitch, no this, that, the other. But in many cases, I was the only PT that had ever said hello to them. Yeah. I was the only PT that had ever introduced themselves to them. And therefore, off the back of that, I got busy very, very... After three weeks of being there, I had a waiting list. Mm. You know, and this was a gym where there was people in there who'd been in there eight, nine years who'd never had a waiting list. You know, and all that was down to was being proactive and introducing myself to people. Mm. It wasn't being hard, pushy selves, blah, blah, blah. All of these people wanted PT. They'd just never had a PT than you. And they never wanted to. And remember, people are like people. Are like people. They're yeah. shy. They don't want to go and introduce themselves to a complete stranger, and especially as a complete stranger, they feel they've got nothing in common with. Mm. The vast majority of my clients that I've ever had had very little in common with me. 
as far as on a superficial level, on a surface level, they all thought they had nothing in common with it. Mm. But then when we got to know each other, they were like, oh, wow, we have got a lot in common here. And, you know, and, and I used to talk to them about my experiences. They would talk to them about their experiences. We used to relate that to their goals and how that would, you know, conform and blah, blah, blah. And my retention on clients was incredible because, mm. again, I related to them. And I put that down to a lot of my, my history of, you know, I grew up in a pub. I watched my dad talk to complete strangers on a daily basis. Mm. So my, my communication skills were very good strangers but if you put me in a situation of a party you send me to a party i won't say a word to anybody for yeah. probably the first two hours because mm. i want to know the lay of the land i want to know yeah. who's who and blah blah blah. and even in the gym i might do that but i would do that very discreetly i'd you know i'd sit in, the, in an office or i'd sit in the background and i'd just observe and i'd look at the people that maybe prospectively i could approach or i couldn't or who weren't interested because you see those people who are very like this boom 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 and you know if you go over and say anything, they're like, get away from me. I just want to train. How am I going to get through that barrier? How do I get through that? Typically, in those kind of scenarios, I'm going to go over and compliment them because that's what they're about. You know, they're all focused. They're this, that, the other. I'd be like, that was an amazing lift. Bump, ice broken. Done. Can talk to them now. Dead easy, right? And all that is is just an interpretation of how someone works. He's looking at them, looking at the mannerisms, looking at the way they act, looking at the way they... And some people don't want help. So don't give them help. Give them compliments. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what's interesting about that as well is I was thinking about throughout that, if they're... Because I think it said they're a new PT and not been able to get into the gym yet. So they've just qualified and coming into the gym. All of that, what you just said, can be transferred online straight away. So like most gyms, pure gyms, have a social media account with the local area on, the local people on, the people who go into the gyms go and speak to them people, offer them support, offer them help. There's loads of places now with uh, Facebook groups with, let's say your gym's in a community group, uh, in a community, there's, there's tons of community groups that you can go and reach out to. So you can already start to build relationships to get people to know, like, and trust you before your gym doors open again. Oh, massively. Yeah, so that's something that can be done now. And you know, I, I, talk, I think I talked to you guys about it, is that I was actually looking this morning, bizarrely, and I don't think I've ever done this, but I had, uh, there was an amendment to one of the groups I'm in on Facebook. And I've never seen this. I don't know whether Facebook have just changed their algorithms or how it works or whatever, but I got a notification and it said, somebody's updated the group that I'm in and changed the name of it. And I thought, oh, I've never seen that kind of notification before. So I clicked on it. And what it did, it had a list of all the groups I'm in. And one of the groups I'm in is Weight Watchers. Yeah, same. And I've been in Weight Watchers group since I was a PT. And, yeah. and they clearly don't put much in there because obviously I, I, you know, I, I'd forgotten I was actually in it. Mm. And the reason I was in the Weight Watchers group is because I, I knew way back when is that the vast majority of the clients that I would ever have would be fat loss clients. Mm. And the vast majority of clients that I would have would be people who would struggle with the weight for many years and been on diets before and you know hadn't got it to work and figure it out. And then I was like, how do I get into the mentality of these people and how do I understand them more? So I could go to where those people were. And mm. a lot of them are hanging out in Weight Watchers groups because they're looking for answers. So when somebody would answer, ask a question in a Weight Watchers group, and this is years ago, somebody would ask a question in a Weight Watchers group, I'd go and answer it in a private forum somewhere. But I wouldn't answer the question. I'd just write an article on the answer. Mm. I'd be like, right, I'm going to go and blah, blah, blah. And then my audience inadvertently was the Weight Watchers audience. Mm. You know, I was talking to the people. So if you're struggling for motivation, again, those of you, you know, moving back on the earlier point, those of you who are just getting into social media channels and things like this, 
There is, there is inspiration everywhere. I used to get the vast majority of my inspiration for articles and things I would write about or I would talk about or I would do videos about from you guys. Yeah. Yeah? It's talking to other coaches. Yeah. So I get that information from other coaches, which is why often when I'm stuck or a bit stumped, I'll, I'll throw a question out on social media and go, what do you want to know about? You yeah. know? And, and off the back of that, I'd, I'd, I'd have inspiration for a question. Now, you guys are different. You're talking to the general public. So go to the places where the general public who are struggling with their weight, struggling with their physical appearance, and blah, 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 and find out where they're hanging out. Go and spend some time on all the Joe Wick stuff. Because that's your population. They're all there. You know, they're all I'm glad there. you've said that. You know, I'm glad you've said that, mate, because we push that out a lot, don't we, Nick? Oh, yeah. That's them. And there's no better time right now for them to go out there and spend that kind of sitting in the background, having watching how they speak, how they talk, the certain words they say, how they come across their frustrations and fears. Like, there's no better time to go in. For, for better words, stalk them groups. <laughs> and they know and they know that people who are doing the PE with Joe, right, they want to get fit. Yeah. They want exactly the same as what you know your clients want. They want to get fit. They want to be in better shape. They want to look better. They want to feel better about themselves. They want to be part of a community, which is what they're doing. So Joe's ticking that huge box. And, and any PT out there who thinks that he's a threat to you as a personal trainer, you're idiots. You know, he's doing a massive service for the PT industry because what he's doing is he's, he's getting people to a position where they think, right, there's only so far I can do with group exercise and by, you know, improving my diet a little bit. Next level, I need to go one-on-one -on -one with somebody who's going to help and, and refine all that for me, PT. And, you know, there's millions of people moving through that proverbial fitness funnel right now that weren't there before. All thanks to people like him. Yeah. You know, they're coming through a funnel and we're at the end of that funnel, you know, and, 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 and you know, that's how it works. And again, I've talked about pure gym before and, and, you know, private facilities. And again, it's, you know, big gyms, big commercial gyms provide platforms for private facilities because ultimately people they outgrow commercial facilities. They outgrow them. Certain people outgrow them and they're like, oh, I'm bored of going in there with all those people and blah, blah, blah. And then that naturally filters into private facilities. Yeah. So every single layer of the fitness industry is feeding each one. You know, you guys look at all the people that come from Joe Wicks. They'll all move into Pure Gym and then all the people from Pure Gym will refine the little private studios that people have and the personal training, you know, facilities that people have. And it just, it constantly just feeds it. So every single level has a massive benefit to the next level, mm. you know? 100%. So it's, it, it, it's all, you know, you can never look at anything. And this is why I never look at anything as a threat. People are like, yeah, but I feel threatened by, no, they're feeding you, you know? They're the people that are feeding you and they're the businesses that are feeding you. And people go about, oh, the industry is saturated with PTs. No, the industry is full of crap PTs, yeah. which are feeding you. Because everybody who I ever coached had come from a bad PT experience, you know, and mine was amazing because it was, and, and the, the previous crap PT just emphasized the fact mine was amazing. <laughs> uh -huh. So, so I, why would I ever feel threatened by this inordinate amount of PTs that are getting qualifications over the internet in two days? I'm not bothered about that. Why would I be? You know, 100%. they're just they're just pinpointing the fact that they're really bad and I'm really good. Yeah. If there's no bad PTs out there, everybody looks mediocre. <laughs> you know, mate, and that and that's never been more kind of resonated with the PTs who get really frustrated over them things, but are the ones that go out the way to 
add things into their service like your recipes, the bodyweight workouts that you've been doing or add layers into their service like the meal prep stuff that they had online before. So switching from offline to online straight in, it's them PTs right now that I'm seeing on social media that are coming out of this even better. Uh, the good coaches who give a shit about their clients and so on. So great. Mate, we could speak to you all day. Um, we really could. It's been absolutely brilliant having you on and I'm sure the guys have took tons from this, like absolute tons. Um, we'll put this into the, our group in a bit. Um, but massive thanks for everyone coming on and Phil, huge thanks for you. Thank you very much, guys. We mega, all mega right. appreciate it, mate. Thank you for your time, Phil. Right. Look after Cheers, yourself. Cheers, guys. Right. Cheers, mate. Mate, we'll catch up soon.